Om Ajnana Timrandasya, Gyananjana Shalakaya, Chakshurun Militam Yena, Kaznaya Shri Gurave Namaha. So, um, we are on chapter 30 of the fourth canto of the Bhagavatam. It seems like it's been forever since we were together last, um, but we are here and uh, we're going to start on verse 22 of that chapter. Uh, I have to get to it. So the uh, Prachetas now are... Um, oh, one second, let me get my... Uh, so the Prachetas have been in the water, are in the water for a long time, 10,000 years. And a lot has happened while they were in the water. Their father, Prachinabarhi, decided to renounce, well was encouraged to renounce everything um, by the association of Narada Muni. And he didn't wait for the Prachetas to, uh, to come back and take over the, uh, the uh, kingdom. So, um, and in the first 21 verses of this chapter, we um, heard that the Prachetas chanted the song, sung by Lord Shiva, the Rudra Gita, and um, they get Lord Vishnu's darshan. So now we hear the various prayers that the Prachetas offered starting in verse 22. So speak up when you have a comment or a question, okay? The Prachetas spoke as follows, My dear Lord, you relieve all kinds of material distress your magnanimous transcendental qualities in the holy name are all auspicious. This conclusion is already settled. You, uh, you can go faster than the speed of mind and words. You cannot be perceived by material senses. We therefore offer our respectful obeisances unto you. So that's, uh, and Prabhupada writes in the purport that, uh, just one second, I get my notes all coordinated here. Oh, uh, actually, let's go back to verse 20. That's where I actually want to start. I was wondering what was going on. Um, in verse 20, it says, Always engaged in the activities of devotional service, devotees feel ever increasingly fresh and new in all their activities. And we're going to see Prabhupada picks up on that in the purport, that, that part about fresh and new. The all-knower, the super soul within the heart of the devotee, makes everything increasingly fresh. This is known as the Brahman position by the advocates of the absolute truth. In such a liberated stage, Brahma one is never bewildered, nor does one lament or become unnecessarily jubilant. This is due to the Brahma situation. So Prabhupada clearly picks up on some of these words, uh, nav, Navyavat, ever increasingly fresh, Nasochati, never lamenting, and Rishyanti uh, are jubilant. So, uh, and he writes in the purport, a devotee is inspired by the super soul within the heart to advance in devotional service in a variety of ways. The devotee does not feel hackneyed or stereotyped, nor does he feel that he is in a stagnant position. Um, so hackneyed, stereotypes. In other words, it's never boring. Prabhupada writes, as chanting is increased, it will come out new and fresh. 
There is really nothing uninspiring for a highly advanced devotee. <clears throat> isn't, that, isn't that amazing? So new and fresh, uh, nothing uninspiring, not, never stagnant, never stereotyped, never hackneyed. Um, I was thinking of different things that Prabhupada has said. Um, he, he wrote that uh, we never tire of hearing the transcendental pastimes of the personality of Godhead, who is glorified by hymns and prayers. Those who have developed a taste for transcendental relationships with him relish hearing his pastimes at every moment. Uh, and we hear in the chapter 9 of the uh, verse 2 of the Gita that, um, what is that? Uh, uh, joyfully performed. Krishna consciousness is joyfully performed. Um, another quote from Prabhupada. The understanding of Bhagavad Gita is so transcendental that anyone who becomes conversant with the topics of Arjuna and Krishna becomes righteous and can forgets and cannot forget such talks. This is the transcendental position of spiritual life. In other words, one who hears the Gita from the right source, directly from Krishna, attains full Krishna consciousness. The result of Krishna consciousness is that one becomes increasingly enlightened and he enjoys life with a thrill. He enjoys life with a thrill, not only for some time, but at every moment. So some thoughts on that, just the joyfulness of Krishna consciousness. Oh, by the way, you can also ask questions in the chat. So Suganda has uh, given a link um, to the verse that we're we're about to be on, but we're actually on um, verse 20 right now. But yes, feel free to uh, use the chat as much as you want. I'm also online with the chat. But uh, some thoughts on this, because it's a really important point. in the second chapter, verse 59 of the Gita, Krishna uses the word param dristva, that we actually need, we've talked about this before, we need this higher taste um, in order to remain enthusiastic in our Krishna consciousness. So if we're not experiencing what Prabhupada is talking about here, then um, we need a, a course adjustment, which is okay, no big deal. You know, it's not like, we don't have to, you know, as they say, freak out about it, but we, we can analyze our situation, what may be not happening according to, uh, what, what, what are we not doing, and what do we need to increase, what do we need to decrease to start experiencing at least some of this taste that uh, we're hearing about, you know, uh, uh, enjoys life with a thrill, not only for some time, but at every moment. Matter of fact, if you type in the word at every moment uh, in Veda base, you get a lot of different hits. It's usually one of two things. Either you're suffering at every moment, <laughs> or if you're a devotee, you're relishing Krishna consciousness at every moment. So some thoughts? Raghunandan raised his hand. Yes, Raghunandan Prabhu. Hare Krishna Prabhu. Um, sometimes I have heard when I'm having discussion with people that there is so much variegatedness in the material world and the conception of the uh, spiritual world is like almost like a monotonous, boring thing. But this verse dispels that misconception and at the same time gives lots of positive encouragement that every moment is new and fresh. 
it's not stale or stagnant or boring or hackneyed so i i found that to be a very encouraging uh, verse yeah. thank you for that. what you said reminded me of uh, something Burry jumper who talked about when he was first becoming a devotee uh in in the 60s and 70s, 60s especially 70s also uh and henry can attest to this he remembers this that um one thing that we were all kind of proud of and interested in was having a big record collection right and you know many of us had 50 100 records <clears throat> and it was a big thing and uh you would get the latest record and the way that they used the artwork on the record cover was a big deal also so when he was becoming a devotee uh, uh rupanuga prabhu who was uh the the president of the temple there in um uh, Buffalo said, yes, we have everything in Krishna consciousness. You don't have to renounce anything. And he, and so Burijambu was, you have records? And he's, yes, we have records. How many do you have? And Burijambu was kind of envisioning hundreds. He said, one. <laughs> and he, uh, but Burijambu said he played that record again and again and again and again and didn't get tired of it. So, um, that's not exactly what you were saying, Rabbi Nalimbu, but there is a lot, of unlimited variety in the spiritual world. Um, and we get to hear about some of it. And what's so interesting is, even if you hear the pastime many, uh, same pastime many, many times, because it's directly Krishna, Krishna reciprocates with us and we can experience it, so, uh, experience it as ever fresh. Just like I think for many of us, we may have read the Bhagavad Gita five, 10, 20, 30 times, and we still get new realizations out of it. So thank you for that, Raghunana Prabhu. Yeah. Otherwise, it could see like, you know, we we can get into, oh, I got to chant my 16 rounds again today. You know, um, it's really, uh, we have to search out the, the ever freshness and not let our minds convince us otherwise. Other thoughts? Hare Krishna Prabhuji. Yes. Um, I was remembering um, in one lecture, Prabhupada was saying that uh, in this material world, the name of an object is different from the object itself, right? If you mm. chant water, water, um, but still you will, your thirst will not be quenched, right? Um, you will still be thirsty. But if you chant Krishna, Krishna, because Krishna is not different from Krishna, uh, you will be satisfied, and as in, uh, Prabhupada is saying in the purport, you can go on chanting, and you will not feel tired right. uh, because we are feeling satisfied with Krishna. And who's this? Who's speaking? Uh, Suganda. Oh, that's that's interesting. It lights up as there, but then there's another Suganda on my screen. Interesting. Yeah, I joined by phone. Sorry. Acha. Okay. Okay. Good. Good. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yes. Uh, even Prabhupada would say you can chant Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola, and eventually you're going to get pretty tired of it. But, um, you know, some of us have been chanting for 44 years. And if we're in good consciousness, uh, it's ever fresh. Yeah. What else? Anything else? Hare Krishna Prabhu. This is yeah. Anandika. Yes. I have a question. <clears throat> so devotees... Um, uh, stay fresh in devotional service and experience the bliss. But when we have situations like coronavirus, for example, 
do we still keep our uh, service going? To what degree should we ex um, exercise caution going in groups, gatherings, for example? <clears throat> Chaitanya Mahaprabhu appearance day is around the corner. It's tomorrow. And, yeah. and we all want to blissfully engage in service then. So uh, please share your insight on this. Like, what should we do? <laughs> That's a loaded question. If I say, don't, uh, don't worry about it then I, you know, uh, I could get dinged. And if I do say worry about it, I could get, it's like a, someone asked uh, uh, Elizabeth Warren a few months ago, what does she think about uh, a woman running for president? And she said, well, if I say this, you're going to be, some people will be upset. And if I say that, some people are going to be upset. <laughs> so, um, it's, uh, well, first of all, the, the essential services at the temple, you know, they have to go on somehow or other, the deity worshiping specifically. That's our, you know, that's our uh, commitment to Krishna, right? Mm -hmm. um, that, that, that has to go on. Um, and one can take the precautions that have been advised, like if one is elderly or uh, in weak uh, conditions, then one should definitely, you know, consider staying away from a large crowd, right? Because that's specifically those two groups have been, uh, have been um, specified by the CDC as groups to be concerned with, right? Uh, and just like I, someone was talking to Madhvacharya Prabhu, and he was, he's over 60, but he's in very good health. So he said he's not worried himself, but he wouldn't take his uh, uh, ailing mother to a uh, big event with a lot of people there because, you know, she's in a weakened state. So that we might follow that guideline. Um, we also might follow uh, Rake Krishna Mareke, Mare Krishna Rakeke. If Krishna wants to kill you, no one can save you. If Krishna wants to save you, no one can kill you. Um, you know, some people may adopt that kind of, that kind of mindset. Um, others might go to the temple, but be careful, wash their hands or whatever. Or, or uh, I was saying to my wife, well, I wonder if we should, tomorrow's supposed to be warm weather. I wonder if we should have like the class outside um, where it's much less, it's not a confined area. I don't think she's going to do that necessarily, but uh, so it's, it's uh, taking care of our health is important. Prabhupada's every letter he would write, uh, uh, hoping this meets you in good health. Right. And Bhaktivedo Thakur says that if you're not in good health, um, uh, then you can't really do your sadhana. So in one one place he says health first, sadhana next, for that for that reason, right? Uh, and on the other hand, um, devotional service ahaitukiya pratiyataya can't be uh, um, impeded by anything material. So I, I think at this point in time, the only answer is uh, is that devotees choose according to their realization. Certainly, I'm not going to say don't go to Gorpanima and see Lord Chaitanya and dance in Kirtan. I mean, unless we have like what happened at Bhaktivedanta Manor where they actually had someone who has a confirmed case. Like that's, that's a little different. Um, so I don't know if that was very helpful at all, <laughs> Ananda Rupa. Um, but we, we, will we will do devotional service regardless, whether we're watching on the video cam on the uh, webcam or we're there dancing in the Kirtan offering the Arctic, whatever. Um, 
there's some precautions that the temple, well, it already does take this, so it's not any change. Uh, when serving prasadam, everyone will wear a hairnet and gloves, which we already do, um, like that, but it's, it's, it's very individual. What do you think about that? Or what, what's your decision? So um, I, I was getting really confused. Uh, my, my gut feeling was I want to go and serve. Probably I want to avoid locating myself in crowded mm-hmm. arrangements, you know, going in between a lot of people, but probably serving in a way that I don't feel bothered that, you know, I'm not able to follow the directions. So I will talk, you certainly have highlighted the points uh, we have been hearing that we should be careful. And I also really understand, I mean, we are missing, we very much miss uh, being out in the devotee congregation and you know, we can't be locked down inside the home by ourselves, just chanting Japa. <laughs> so we'll try our best. Certainly what you have just mentioned here uh, does, um, does help understand again that, you know, we, we need to exercise our intelligence and keep ourselves. Uh, yeah. you know, safeguarded, at the same time serve also. Mm-hmm. I, I went, by somehow, some luck, I went to Mangalati the last four days. I didn't, you know, it's only, you know, there's not, it's not a big crowd and I get to see uh, the deities. So I was fortunate to um, be able to do that. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. In the, in the old days of Krishna consciousness, Henry can confirm this, we would have all just said, ah, it's all just Maya. It's all just you know, if it's my karma, I'll get, you know, and there's some truth to that. It's, if it's my karma, I'll get it. If it's not my karma, I won't. Um, but we probably would, uh, we, there, even there's a chance in the seventies, we wouldn't even know that there was a virus because we, we didn't get newspapers and there was no internet. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Anyway, anyone else want to chime in on their thoughts on this? I had some thoughts on that. Yes, Raghunanda Prabhu. A few years ago, there was we were snowed in and we couldn't have the Gaurapurnima event on that day and every one of us had to stay home. So that was a natural disturbance and this is a different kind of a disturbance. But the situation is the same that we were not in a position to come to the temple and congregate with the devotees. But at the same time, we are living in a technological world where it's still possible, Like just like today we are having a Zoom call and to have the association of devotees and have discussion, Krishna Katha or chanting sessions like that. So we still can get association. And personally speaking for myself, I would like to come, but I would not expect everybody else to be there too, because I respect their choices and their concerns for health, safety. And so it should not be felt like a, a forced thing on others. But if we feel like we are confident that we can come in and take that risk, then that's fine. Right. And for tomorrow, if I was in your shoes, right, I would probably go because your Guru Maharaj is going to be there, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we have the added bonus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, for you and then Nandi and, and John and uh, yeah. <laughs> So, yes. And as far as we know, uh, he's, uh, we spoke to uh, Premitrangani Mataji and he's still coming tomorrow. So, which, which, I've, which I think is just fantastic that uh, Rohan Swami has agreed to come to our temple for Gorpani. It's really nice. Other, any other thoughts? Yeah. Uh, can you hear me? This is Andy. 
Absolutely. Yeah. No, I would come to the temple without hesitation. That's just the way I feel about it. So that makes me personally very happy because uh, that I have no fear of that. Good. I I have zero fear. I I don't, you know, I'm going to die from something and I, I just don't think it's going to be happened today, but uh, you know, from today. So I'm just happy about that. So to to each his own, right? I I can see it either way. Yeah. Very good. Thank you for that. You're brave. You're bold and uh, like sound like a real devotee. And of course you're, you're probably in your thirties still. So, you know, that's not a problem for you. Yeah. I still feel like a teenager. (laughs) I know. I know the feeling. In my mind, I do, but I'm over 60, and it says 60, over 60, you should be careful, so we'll see. <laughs> but anyway, uh, after speaking to two of you, we decided to have this call instead of the uh, class. So there you go. Let's move on, okay? Mm-hmm. Text 21. The great sage Maitreya said, After the personality of God had spoke thus, the Prachetas began to offer him prayers. The Lord is the bestower of all success in life. That's an interesting statement, right? And the supreme benefactor. He is also the supreme friend who takes away all miserable conditions experienced by a devotee. In a faltering voice to do ecstasy, the Prachetas began to offer prayers. They were purified by the presence of the Lord who was before them face to face. So this wasn't one of the verses to read uh, read the purport, but... So nice. It's it's actually a challenge to keep remembering that Krishna bestows us success, our supreme benefactor, our supreme friend, because um, we can get caught up in the things that aren't so wonderful in this world and the different interactions with others and forget this point. And it's such an important point, a key point, right, for our... For, for, I would say, even for our sanity, it's an important point. <laughs> um, text 22. The Prajetas spoke as follows. So now they're beginning their uh, prayers to the Lord. Dear Lord, you relieve all kinds of material distress. Your magnanimous transcendental qualities in holy name are all auspicious. This conclusion is already settled. You know, there's no argument. It's settled. You can go faster than the speed of mind and words. You cannot be perceived by material senses. We therefore offer you respectful obeisances again and again. Dear Lord, we beg to offer our obeisances unto you. When the mind is fixed upon you, the world of duality, although a place for material enjoyment, appears meaningless. Your transcendental form is full of transcendental bliss. We therefore offer our respects unto you. Your appearances as Lord Brahma, Lord Vishnu, and Lord Shiva are meant for the purpose of creating, maintaining, and annihilating this cosmic manifestation. So he's talking about the Vuna avatars there, right? Text 24. Dear Lord, we offer our respectful obeisances unto you because your existence is completely independent of all material influences. Your Lordship always takes away the devotee's miserable conditions, always. For your brain plans how to do so. So isn't that a meditation? Krishna is planning how to take away devotees' miserable conditions. You live everywhere as Paramatma, therefore you are known as Vasudev. You also accept Vasudev as your father, and you are celebrated by the name Krishna. 
you are so kind that you always increase the influence of all kinds of devotees. Continuing. Dear Lord, we offer our respectful obeisances unto you because from your abdomen sprouts the lotus flower, the origin of all living entities. You are always decorated with a lotus garland and your feet resemble the lotus flower with all its fragrance. Your eyes are also like the petals of a lotus flower. Therefore, we always offer our respectful obeisances unto you. Dear Lord, the garment you have put on is yellowish in color, like the saffron of a lotus flower, so explaining the beauty of the Lord. But it is not made of anything material. Since you live in everyone's heart, you are the direct witness of all activities of all living entities. We offer our respectful obeisances unto you again and again. Text 27. It's 11 o'clock. Oh, sorry, that's my computer. Dear Lord, we conditioned souls are always covered by ignorance in the bodily conception of life. We therefore always prefer the miserable conditions of material existence. To deliver us from these material conditions, you have advented yourself in the transcendental form, in this transcendental form. This is evidence of your unlimited causeless mercy upon those of us who are suffering in this way. What then to speak of the devotees to whom you are always so favorably disposed? And now in text 28. Dear Lord, you are the killer of all inauspicious things. You are compassionate upon your poor devotees through the expansion of your arch of vigraha. You sh should certainly think of us as your eternal servants. So Archa Vigraha means deity worship. And Prabhupada writes in the beginning of the purport, the form of the Lord known as Archa Vigraha is an expansion of his unlimited potencies. Even that, that might want you to go to, that might encourage us to go to the temple today, right? <laughs> Just seeing the Archa Vigraha is, and seeing him or, as an expansion of his unlimited, unlimited potencies. When the Lord is gradual, I like this point. When the Lord is gradually satisfied with the service of a devotee, in due course of time, he accepts the devotee as one of his many unalloyed servants. By nature, the Lord is very compassionate. Therefore, the service of neophyte devotees is accepted by the Lord. And then he goes, um, well, let's start there. Well, no, I'll go a little, little later. The Lord being Bhaktivatsal, uh, Bhaktivatsal means one who loves his devotees, friends with his devotees. Uh, the Lord being Bhaktivatsal, compassionate upon his devotees, accepts these these offerings. Atheists may think that devotees are engaged in idol worship, but the fact is different. Janardana, the Supreme Lord, accepts bhava, the attitude of service. That's from that, that line, uh, bhava, bhava grahi Janardana. So I thought this was I like this Prabhupada's, I, I, I liked, I was um, intrigued or impressed or um, want to point out this word gradually. You, when the Lord is gradually satisfied with the service of devotee in due course of time. So we have to be patient. Utsaha nishchaya dharyat, enthusiastic, patient and confident. Uh, and we should be making progress in the right direction, even if it's baby steps. If we're making progress in the right direction, every day trying to chant a little better, uh, being more regulated, you know, um, meditating on the uh, the uh, beauty of the prasadam that we're honoring, all the different aspects of Krishna consciousness. Um, and in due course, Prabhupada is promising us um, this uh, 
Krishna will accept us as one of his many unalloyed servants. By nature, the Lord is very compassionate. Therefore, the service of neophyte devotees is accepted by the Lord. So it's just like a, you know, a mother who's, uh, or a parent who's watching their child finally learn to walk, right? Um, they're patient with the child when he, when he or she stands up for a second, then falls down and leans on something and takes a few steps, then falls over and then gradually, knowing gradually, um, as long as they age, uh, they will be able to walk. So, uh, they don't like lose their love for the child when the child is, you know, still, um, faltering. So Krishna is, uh, is explaining, Prabhupada is explaining Krishna's, uh, mindset here in this, uh, in this verse. And then he ends, thus it is the duty of every sincere devotee to accept the Arch of Vigraha at home or in the temple and worship the form of the Lord as advised in authorized scriptures and directed by the spiritual master. So it can be an art of Vigraha, it can also be a picture of Krishna. Um, but we should do some uh, puja, some worship. Um, Prabhupada, of course, has said so many things. I'm just going to um, read one or two. Uh, the more you make the deity of Jagannath attractively dressed, the more you shall become spiritually attractive. And then he said to Vishnu John Maharaj, for spiritual life, chanting Hare Krishna is sufficient, but because we are habituated to unclean habits, we must have temple worship. Sankirtan will keep everyone's mind clean, and surely the, <laughs> this quarreling will cease, whatever the quarreling was. Hmm. So, And there's so many statements by Prabhupada about um, the importance of deity worship. So some thoughts on that. I'm just going to get some water once. Oops, and I just unplugged my light. Uh, thoughts on this? Uh, in text 26, I like the verse where Prachetas are praying to the Supreme Lord and saying, you are the direct witness of all the activities of all living entities. Krishna mentions the same thing in Bhagavad Gita when he is describing super soul, the super soul's functions and roles. And I think he uses the terminology Upadrashta Nanumanta. He he sees, he witnesses all the activities of all the living beings and he is also the sanctioner or permitter. So that, I, I was recollecting that when this hmm. came up. Aha. Uh -huh. It's, uh, it's quite a meditation, isn't it, to think like that? First of all, it can be a little scary. <laughs> um, then there's no reason to, uh, to get envious of others or thinks so-and-so got away with something or something like that because no one gets away, right, with anything. <laughs> Krishna sees everything. Yeah, thank you for that. It's quite a meditation. Other thoughts here about that point about gradual or making progress or about deity worship? Yes, Prabhuji, this is Sugandha here. Um, I was reading uh, Chaitanya Chaitamrit, and there is a pastime of Maharaj Pratap Chudra. Um, like he was initially, um, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was... Um, not uh, said that I would not meet him because he's a king um, for a long time and all the devotees around him were getting mercy of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and he was not so he was not feeling envy uh, he was determined to meet Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and he worked on pleasing the devotees uh, Ramananda Rai, Sarvama Bhattacharya 
and follow the instructions of Sarvabhav and Bhattacharya to um, ultimately um, meet Chaitanya Mahaprabhu uh, in the dress of a devotee like that. So gradually he was patient and determined and finally he got the mercy of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm. So he was, okay, so he was patient, yes. And uh, he was a little tricky also, right? A tricky in the sense? Didn't he dress, uh, he didn't dress, he went to see Chaitanya Mahaprabhu not as a king? Yes, yeah, he was in the dress of a devotee and then he uh, recited few um, chapters of Srimad Bhagavatam about the gopis dancing with uh, with Krishna. Um, and then uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu um, hugged him and asked who he was. And he said, um, he didn't say he was King Prataparudha, he said, I am the servant of the servant of your devotees. <laughs> uh, but of course, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu knew he was Prataparudha, but ultimately he got the mercy. Mm. But your point is, he didn't get discouraged he uh, he kept his determination and he he achieved his goal yes he followed the instructions of sarvabhama bhattacharya who was his guru and right. he also served the devotees around him so when you serve the devotees um, the lord becomes uh, happy with you. very good point yes very nice thank you other thoughts and deity worship or this point about giving krishna's mercy uh, <clears throat> yes. Yeah, yeah, I had a comment. Okay. Uh, yeah, in the in the uh, in the purport for uh, text nineteen, okay. <clears throat> he he quoted that my first mercy shown to my devotee is to take away all his material opulence. Right. So since mine hasn't been taken away, I assume that I haven't attracted Krishna. <laughs> No, but if, uh, if you recall, I don't know, maybe it was a month or two ago, we talked about this point, that there are different statements in different places um, in, in Prabhupada's writings about this. And this, this point was especially um, dear to Prabhupada because he experienced it in his own life and uh, that Krishna took away every, his businesses kind of started failing, etc. And, and his family life kind of was collapsing. But then of course he became, uh, you could say on a certain, you know, in a certain way, one of the uh, richest men in the world because he had places to stay in like, uh, you know, a hundred countries or a hundred place cities. Right. And mm -hmm. so many people, you know, of course he wasn't, didn't think like that at all, but there are other places where um, it's said that if a devotee is unattached, Krishna sometimes gives them all opulences that they can use in his service. So we see um, in the pastimes of the Lord, times when devotees are very poor, like Sudama Brahmana. We see times when they're very rich, like Pundarik Vidyanidhi, or King Pachapurudra, like uh, Subhanda just um, mentioned. Um, and we see also in Iskhan, we, we have uh, you know devotees who are very wealthy, and uh, more devotees who are not so wealthy. <laughs> um, so it's hard to just, uh, in other words, I don't think from this one purport you can say, okay, Krishna's uh, not especially inclined to me right now because he hasn't smashed me to smithereens. <laughs> um, but Prabhupada would, would, I'm trying to look at the, you say it was text 19? Yeah, in... Uh, in the purport. He's quoting, it's towards the yeah. end of the purport. Towards the end, yeah, this... This uh, principle is stated by the Supreme Lord Yasyaham 
anavrinami harishi etadhanam shanai. That the first mercy shown to my devotees take away all the material opulence. Um, but here, then he says, uh, but look at look at the qualification in the next uh, sentence. Material opulence detrimental to yeah. devotional service is taken away by the Supreme Lord. Whereas the person who is mature in devotional service is given all material facilities. Mm-hmm. So if if we're super enamored, you know, we, we come to the temple in our Tesla and we want to, we park it in such a way that everyone sees us getting out of that car. And, you know, we have a Korta that says Tesla on the back of it, you know, or, you know what I mean? Uh, what, whatever like that, then um, that person might have to be a little careful because the material opulence detrimental to devotional service is taken away by the Lord. But if we, you know, happen to be in a comfortable situation materially, uh, financially or whatever, and we're um, a dedicated, we're not enamored by that and we're a dedicated devotee, then of course Krishna can do whatever he wants, but it doesn't mean he has to strip us of that if we're, you know, using that in his service. How does that sound? Yeah, that's a good middle position, I guess. I I don't think I'm a true devotee, so there's no confusion there, but... uh... (laughs) Well, let me ask anybody on the call. How many of you uh, uh, speak up if you think you're a true devotee? Yes, yeah, so that's what I thought. No one's going to say that. So, <laughs> so don't worry. You're in a good company. Okay. Thank you. Uh huh. All right. Should we move on? Text 29, and we're going up to 31 is the next one I asked you to read. Uh, 29. When the Lord, out of his natural compassion, thinks of his devotee, by that process only are all desires of the neophyte devotee fulfilled. The Lord is situated in every living entity's heart, although the living entity may be very insignificant. The Lord knows everything about the living entity, including all his desires. Although we are very insignificant, why should the Lord not know our desires? Wow, that's powerful, isn't it? That, that uh, he's situated in everyone's heart, although we are uh, insignificant, and he knows everything about us. Text 30. O Lord of the universe, you are the actual teacher of the science of devotional service. We are satisfied that your lordship is the ultimate goal of our lives, and we pray that you will be satisfied with us. That is our benediction. That is our benediction. We do not desire anything other than your full satisfaction. Can you imagine having that as your mindset? We desire, we don't desire anything other than Krishna's full satisfaction. And now 31. Dear Lord, we shall therefore pray for your benediction. So what? So the Lord said, what do you want? I'll give you a benediction. And this is the benediction they want. We, uh, because you are the supreme beyond all transcendent, transcendence. And because there is no end to your op- opulence. Oh, so they don't ask for the benediction yet, but it's coming. You are celebrated by the name Ananta. And then at the last paragraph uh, in the purport, as will be explained in the next verses, the Prachetas plan to ask the Lord for something that has no limit. The Lord's pastimes, qualities, forms, and names are all unlimited. There is no limit to his names, forms, pastimes, creation, and paraphernalia. The living entity cannot conceive of the unlimitedness of the unlimited. Interesting sentence, right? The, the living entity cannot conceive of the unlimitedness of the unlimited. However, if living entities are engaged in hearing about the unlimited potencies of the Supreme Lord, 
they are factually connected directly to the unlimited. Such understanding of the unlimited becomes unlimited by hearing and chanting. So it's, you know, we, we hear, for example, we hear about Krishna's beauty and his garlands and his doti and, you know, it's unlimited beauty. And, and with our mind, I, at least in my experience, I can't conceive of it. But here, basically what this is saying, go on hearing and chanting about it. And it's not that the, exactly that our mind and intelligence is going to understand or perceive these things. It's got to be this descending mercy that comes by regularly hearing uh, bona fide descriptions of the Lord. Right? Such understanding of the unlimited becomes unlimited by hearing and chanting. That's, uh, um, so it's, yes, yeah, beyond our thought process. It, it's, uh, it's descending, not, um, it's deductive, not inductive logic. Or, yeah. Some thoughts on this. So I, um, have been, I think I mentioned this. Oh, no, I didn't mention it because we haven't had class forever. I've been doing a little studying of uh, Stoicism, uh, Marcus Aurelius and, and company. And what we see there, I mean, there's some really, really, um, good points in Stoicism that, you know, are just exact, almost, you know, almost exactly like what we would hear from, uh, Krishna in different parts of the, uh, Bhagavad Gita. Like, don't be angry with the good and bad that happens to us. You know, that's like, you know, the non-permanent appearance of happiness and stress and the disappearance in due course. Krishna says in the second chapter, like the appearance and disappearance of the winter and summer seasons, they arise from sense perception, and one must learn to tolerate them without being disturbed. They also talk, the, the Stoics also talk a lot about stripping away illusions, seeing the material world for what it is, right? Uh, you know, people glorify, the, the, the uh, Stoics would talk about, people would glorify vintage wine, right? That it's this great thing, vintage wine. And even today, people go to, um, to wine country in California, or um, as a matter of fact, there's a place in India, Nasik, which is like the wine capital of India. Um, and so the Stoics would say, vintage wine is just old fermented grapes. You know, so they, they strip away the illusion part of it, right? Or, and interestingly, they would talk about meat um, and just say, meat, what is it? It's just a dead animal, you know? So they would, uh, well, and we also, you know, have many statements by like Prabhupada like that. You know, he would talk about the naked truth. Like he would say, as long as a man is in full vigor of life, Prabhupada said, he forgets the naked truth of death, which he has to meet. Thus, a foolish man makes no relevant inquiry about the real problems of life. Everyone thinks that he will never die, although he sees evidence of death before his eyes at every second. So the uh, Stoics would also... Um, keep death before they, they would say you should keep death before your eyes every day. Um, and Krishna says in the Gita, Janma Mrityu Jaraviyadhi Darshan. He says the exact same thing in the Gita, right? Um, and they also had, a, they would talk about death a lot, but it wouldn't be all morbid because they would say, as long as you're alive, use your time properly. And also they would talk a lot about doing one dharma. 
not worrying about just doing the right thing, whether it's cold or hot, whether you're tired or rested, whether you're hated or, or, or honored, you know, do, do the right thing. Um, Krishna talks about that, right? Do thou fight for the sake of fighting without considering happiness or distress, loss or gain, victory or defeat. And by so doing, you shall never incur sin. And we could go on and on. There's a lot of things there. Um, the Stoic uh, would especially connect with the Gyan part of the Gita. Mm-hmm. And if we think about it, I think if we study many, many traditions, we will find some different, similar conclusions um, in mystic Judaism, in Sufism, and in, in, certainly in Buddhism. Um, because if one calms uh, their mind and gets out of the mode of passion and ignorance and, and becomes contemplative in the mode of goodness, one will reach these kind of conclusions. The, in, the, the reason I'm bringing this up is the inductive process works uh, up to a certain extent until you kind of hit this level of Brahman, right? It, it, it works, and people will have similar realizations about the nature of this world and, uh, yeah, and the nature of trying to enjoy this world. They will come up in, in good philosophers without studying the Bhagavad Gita. One can, if one can really still one's mind, one can understand these kind of uh, points. But one reaches, does reach a ceiling. And that's why I was, this is what I was bringing up is, um, this is talking now about the descending part of knowledge. And, and as we know, we've spoken about that, uh, you know, you're not going to conclude with any, you can, con- can contemplate for millions of years, and you're not going to understand Krishna plays a flute. He has a peacock feather. He doesn't play the trombone. He doesn't have an ostrich feather. This and that. His, his dodi is yellow. He doesn't wear Levi's, you know, et cetera, et cetera. <clears throat> but one learns this by the uh, process, as stated in this verse, of, uh, of hearing and chanting. So spiritual realization can come to a certain point but not beyond that without some descending mercy and descending knowledge. Some thoughts on that? Yes, Hare, Radha. Um, the living entity cannot conceive of the unlimitedness of the unlimited. And then Prabhupada adds, however, if living entities are engaged in hearing about the unlimited potencies of the Supreme Lord, they are factually connected directly to the unlimited. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was, I was thinking like, on uh, on my own ability, I can. As you were mentioning, like I can go only up to a certain distance. But hearing, reading about the Supreme Lord and His unlimited glories and potencies is bringing me in contact with the unlimitedness of the Supreme Lord. So basically, in one sense, the Supreme Lord is helping helping me to to properly understand his position and his unlimitedness by sharing his vision with me or with any one of us who is practicing this bhakti. Hmm. Just like I might not have gone to China, but for example... But if some person has gone to China and then is describing or showing me photos or videos, then it's giving me a much better understanding than just me visualizing, imagining things. So similarly, I got this perspective like that 
the supreme lord is trying to share his perspective or vision but only then we get a glimpse of his greatness otherwise i just by my own efforts i will not be able to do that right right and therefore hearing is so important because we we are forgetful by nature and so we have to keep reminding ourselves it's so easy to forget krishna uh in 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 the early stages of bhakti um and you know one thing i was thinking i was envious of the stoics uh, the, Sto the the early stoics um their life was so much less complicated than ours today with the internet and phones and you know et cetera et cetera et cetera um, and so what a challenge it is for us to slow down and take the time to hear and chant nicely uh, with, with the mode of passion and ignorance swirling around <coughs> and finding that time to be uh, in goodness and beyond goodness. It's really, uh, at least I find, I have, it takes a very determined effort to do that. I was hearing a nice uh, talk by Vaisheshika Prabhu in the uh, ILS in Mayapur this year, Iskand Leadership Sangha. And he said that, you know, he just, he just is totally determined that before he takes on anything in this world and every day, he gets his hearing and chanting in. Um, I wish I was that good as he is at that. But I, but he says it just puts everything in perspective. So. I really appreciate that. I really appreciated his talk on that subject. Other thoughts? Okay, shall we carry on? It was enlivening kind of studying a little bit about the Stoics, uh, Stoicism and comparing it to, it, you know, you find, we find different parts of the truth, capital T, in different way, in different places. And to kind of see where, and of course, the, the big challenge with Stoicism or anything that's inductive is uh, it's very easy to lead to impersonalism. It's, it's very easy to do that. Because personalism only really, well, it can come a little bit from intelligence. You know, like we would say, you know, what, what have you ever seen in this world uh, that was not created by a person, right? Com the, this computer or the books that we read or whatever. Um, but the real understanding of that person is only going to come deductive from the scriptures, from the sadhus. Okay, so next we're going to, oops, oh, just to uh, text 33, which is similar to what we've talked about, but we'll, we'll cover it still. So text 32, my dear, excuse me a second, dear Lord, when the bee approaches the celestial tree called the Parijata, it certainly does not leave the tree because there is no need for such action. Similarly, when we have approached your lotus feet and taken shelter of them, what further benediction may we ask of you? Dear Lord, <clears throat> uh, and I think here's the benediction they're asking, yes. As long as we have to remain within this material world due to our material contamination, and wander from one type of body to another, and from one planet to another, we pray that we may associate with those who are engaged in discussing your pastimes. We pray for this benediction, life after life, in different bodily forms and on different planets. 
Prabhupada writes, the most important thing for a devotee is getting a chance to hear about the pastimes and glories of the Lord. So that's one way we can gauge how much we're a devotee. If we think that the most important thing in our life is getting a chance to hear about the pastimes and glories of the Lord. The devotees who engage in the service of the Lord in this world will have the same opportunity in the spiritual world also. Thus, for a devotee, everything is in the spiritual world. For as long as he can hear about the pastimes of the Lord, or wherever he can chant, the Lord is personally present. Uh, when the pure devotees assemble to chant, hear, and talk about the Supreme Personality of Godhead, the place where they assemble becomes Vaikunta. For the uh, devotee, there is no need to pray to the Lord for transferal to the Vaikunta world. A pure devotee can create Vaikunta or Brindavan anywhere simply by chanting the glories of the Lord without offense. So very similar to the points we were making, uh, we were talking about, but just this whole thing about, you know, we, we can trans, the uh, pure devotee or the devotee brings uh, Vaikuntha or Vrindavan with them where, wherever they go. Uh, and they always look for the opportunity to hear and chant. So this obviously requires a taste. And we may have different degrees of jaundice right now where the sweetness is not fully manifest. And that's where we kind of have to engage our intelligence to say, okay, I, my mind and senses would rather hear and chant about something else. I have to follow, I should follow the instructions of the Shastra. I know this is just because I'm in a jaundice condition. It's Let me follow the instructions of Shastra. And lo and behold, Krishna gives us a taste. <clears throat> Some thoughts on that? No? Uh, Prabhu, I have one thought. Yes, yes, Prabhu. Uh, uh, amazing prayer and a request that the Prachetas are making to the Supreme Lord that no matter what plan, what world I am in, what planet I am in, what material body I am in, just bless me with the benediction that I will always be able to be in the association of people that are discussing you and your pastimes. Yeah, <laughs> it, they cut to the core of the issue and say, okay, as long as we are in that association and we are able to read and discuss your pastimes, we are all good. Yeah. Yes. So even if we're quarantined due to the virus or something, we can hear and chant like we're doing now in the Association of Devotees. Um, I was, you know, just about different planets. I was reading recently that Prabhupada woke up and he said he had a dream. And in his dream, he uh, saw the planet where pious Muslims go. And he mentioned this to Harisari Prabhu and Harisari Prabhu, is there such a planet? Prabhu said, oh yes, there is such a planet. So we, you know, who knows what's out there beyond our limited vision, right? Quite amazing. So if you meet a pious Muslim, they may have a very interesting destination in their next life. Okay, so then and if there's nothing else, we'll go on, and we're going on to 36. So they continue. Uh, Even a moment's association with a pure devotee cannot be compared to being transferred to heavenly planets or even merging into the Brahman effulgence in complete liberation. For living entities who are destined to give up the body and die, association with pure devotees 
is the highest benediction. So that might be a uh, argument for um, going to the temple today and tomorrow, <laughs> or at least you know tuning in. <laughs> uh, and then thirty-five. Whoops. Whenever pure topics of the transcendental world are discussed, the members of the audience forget all kinds of material hankerings, at least for the time being. I like that, at least for the time being. Not only that, but they are no longer envious of one another, nor do they suffer from anxiety or fear. And then continuing on this envy point, the Supreme Lord Narayana is present among devotees who are engaged in hearing and chanting the holy name of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Lord Narayan is the ultimate goal of sannyasis, those in the renounced order of life, and Narayan is worshipped through this Sankirtan movement by those who are liberated from material contamination. Indeed, they recite the holy name again and again. And Prabhupada writes, one, just one sentence, but such a powerful sentence. Actually, when one chants or discusses the transcendental activities of the Lord, he immediately becomes non-envious. So, I have some thoughts about this, but I'll ask you, what do you think, what is the connection between hearing about Krishna and non-enviousness? I thought of four things. Let me hear what you all thoughts are. The connection between hearing about Krishna and being non-envious. One thing that comes to my mind is uh, when we hear about Krishna, we understand that Krishna is the center and I'm not the center. Okay. That Krishna is the center, I'm not the center. So, all right. Um, good. What else? Sugandha, Nandamukhi, Anandarupa, Anandarupa. So when we hear about Krishna, first of all, gradually, you know, we are purified as uh-huh. we, we are studying and we are experiencing also. So because of that purification, of course, gradually we, we you know, we, uh, we elevate out of, all on earth has yes, in categories of weakness of heart and all that. So, so in that state, heart. yes, and including yeah. enviousness. So Great. that's how I was relating to it. Thank you. I had that on my list. Anything else? Hare Krishna. Yes, Nandi Muki. And I was thinking about uh, because Krishna is known envious by nature. So by discussing about Krishna, we inherited an enviousness from him. Very good. Yes, I like that. I hadn't thought exactly like that, but that is a um, <clears throat> that is a spiritual truth that when you associate with someone or Krishna himself, um, you get some of their qualities. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. Excellent. <laughs> Anything else? Hare Krishna. Yes. Uh, so when we hear about Krishna, we understand that uh, love of Krishna is the greatest love, and there is unlimited amount of love of Krishna, so everyone can have it. Very good. So yes. Yeah, so, oh, wonderful. So, yeah. There's no like, um, if if uh, Henry gets so much love for Krishna, there's not enough left for me, right? Is that kind of your point? That Krishna's unlimited, so it's not like you know, if someone else gets something that, you know, I won't get it. I like that. That's very nice. I hadn't thought of that. I also had, um, for, for a real devotee, there's like no time for envy. <laughs> you just don't think about it because it's just, 
you're so absorbed in hearing and chanting. And I think this was kind of brought out that hearing about Krishna cuts at our envy of him. And our envy of him is the beginning point of our envy of others. And also, uh, so I had purifying hearts. I also had that the Shastra reminds us of how petty our envy is. You know, like kind of what you were saying, Krishna is so great, so many universes out there, so many planets in every universe, and I'm, you know, envious of, you know, uh, Raghunandan Prabhu or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, come on, you know. <laughs> and our mind makes it like this biggest thing in the world, and it's so insignificant. <laughs> so yeah, all all really good, um, all really good points. Um, so it's something to remember that because uh, because that, that's in one sense uh, our envy for Krishna is what's keeping us in the material world, or in a real sense, in, in a very real sense. <clears throat> okay, anything else on envy? Hare Krishna, Baba, I was thinking about another thing. It's, like, it's a little louder, Nandimukhi? Yeah, sure. Uh, like when, in the case of envy, we always, uh, it's kind of a mentality that we try to prove our own superiority over something else. Right. And, uh, that's actually because we don't feel our own value. Our own true value, you mean? Yeah, our own um value in Krishna's eyes. Ah, wow. That's, that's, that's very uh, interesting. We just, so we don't understand our true value in Krishna's eyes. So we try to put up a, an image of our self that we are superior than somebody in some aspects. Wonderful, Nandimuki. Wonderful. Yeah. Thank you for that. That's, uh, we don't understand our true, yeah. <clears throat> it's almost like when Prabhupada would say that, uh, you know, the, uh, the impersonalist, the Mayavadi wants to become one with God, but the devotee wants to become greater than God by controlling him by our love, like Nanda Maharaj or Yashoda or Srimati Radharani. So they, they are understanding their, you could say greatness in um, relationship or their worth in relationship to Krishna. Yeah. Thank you. Other thoughts? Okay, in text 37, dear Lord, your personal associates, devotees wander all over the world to purify even the holy places of pilgrimage. Is not such activity pleasing to those who are actually afraid of material existence? And it's interesting, in the purport, it's very interesting, especially kind of in light of uh, why we're online today. Prabhupada talks about all over the world. He says uh, in the first paragraph, the devotee, the ghost Yanandi, travels all over the world just to purify the world and the people residing in it. Then, then uh, after the... Uh, Bengali there, it says, Lord Chaitanya wanted his followers to move all over the world, every town and village. Um, <clears throat> and so I was thinking that now in some ways we can travel all over the world um, by Zoom, <laughs> right? <laughs> or uh, I was on a, uh, 
a call with an international organization the other day and there were people from like 30 different countries. So sometimes, uh, or as Prabhupada told uh, Jai Patakamaraj, he said uh, to him that you, you don't have to travel all over the world. You stay in Mayapur and the whole world will come to you. Right? So um, by technology, we can also travel all over the world in, in a variety of ways. Right. <clears throat> but the real, the, but the point being that traveling is austere and a devotee, Gostianandi will will perform that austerity in order to benefit people. And Prabhupada writes that actually all devotees are indebted to the great sage Narada, for he has wandered both in heaven and hell. He really went all over the world. A devotee of the Lord is not even afraid of hell. He goes on preaching the glories of the Lord. And then at the very end of the purport, it is therefore the duty of everyone to associate with a pure devotee and thus attain freedom from material contamination. Everyone should take advantage of the wandering devotees whose only business is to deliver the conditioned souls from the clutches of maya. So, um, and then he, he's making the distinction between, but, uh, in the beginning of the purport, between Bhajananandis and Kostyanandis, or, yeah, um, and, um, Bhajananandis uh, are advanced devotees. They're not, they're not just neophytes who don't preach, but they're ones that are very advanced in Krishna consciousness. Prabhupada writes, such an advanced devotee is called a Bhajananandi. Those who are Gostyanandis, however, preach to increase the number of devotees. But even such preachers should also, also avoid opposing elements who are unfavorably disposed towards spiritual life. And then another place Prabhupada is talking to his disciples and he says, um, Yes, Paramahamsa, they do not come in the society because the people may imitate and they fall down. Therefore, they are aloof. So he's saying Bhajananandis are aloof from society because they can be, but if, but if people try to imitate them, chant, you know, just try to chant Hare Krishna, they'll, they'll, they're just going to not be able to do it. So therefore, to, to not set that example, they remain aloof. Prabhupada says that just like Gorky Shordas Babaji Maharaj, he was aloof, Bhajananandi. But one who will act as a preacher or a spiritual master, even if he is on the level of Bhajananandi, Paramahansa, he should live ordinarily so that his disciples may follow that example. He comes to the second stage. Paramahansa is the first stage, and preacher is the second stage, and neophytes are the third stage. So the neophytes should try to come to the second stage. So this was one of the amazing things that Prabhupada was able to do was take us who were clearly lucky if we were on, even on the third stage and engage us in ways that could come quickly to the second stage of devotional service, the uh, Majjama Adhikari. So Bhajan and Andis are to be admired and respected, um, but the Gosti and show more compassion um, by um, and so Prabhupada is on the first level, but he comes down to the second level in order to um, help others. So some thoughts on uh, this traveling all over the world or the point about Bhajananandis and Gostyanandis. I have one thought, Prabhu. Yes, Prabhupada. Uh, has mentioned a similar thing in the canto one in the beginning chapters when it talks about devotees traveling all over the place they purify the places of pilgrimage 
and a similar point is being made in this purport how fortunate we are to have such uh, traveling devotees who share that knowledge and mercy with us and help us connect with the supreme lord yes sometimes it becomes easy to take things for granted all ah, these people will be here they will be keep, keep they will keep coming but we do not sometimes value their contributions that's right yeah if you if some of you were there last week when uh, kanamakanamaraj gave the initiation and then uh, gave the sunday lecture and he was just saying you know i think at the initiation i think it was he said my schedule is crazy my travel <laughs> schedule it's crazy but you know he does that in order to uh, help people yeah yeah and 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 we're, that's why you're saying we're so fortunate i hope we can take advantage of it tomorrow rohan swami has chosen to come to dc for gorpurnima <clears throat> and similarly yes we and and it's we're really lucky usually it's the summertime that so many of the traveling preachers come but now even in the winter we have or the end of the winter now I, can we call this the winter we haven't had a snow right <laughs> i guess we can still call it winter <clears throat> yes yes uh, and it's not easy you know traveling especially these days is no fun going through security and and you know it's just not uh there was a time when traveling was kind of glamorous uh that's not the case anymore it's uh it's really an austerity other thoughts okay so we continue we still have 15 minutes I don't know if we'll finish the chapter but let's see we're going on next to 41 Dear Lord by virtue of a moment's association with Lord Shiva who is very dear to you and who is your most intimate friend we were fortunate to attain you you are the most expert physician capable of treating the incurable disease of material existence on account of our great fortune we have been able to take shelter at your lotus feet and uh these prayers go on well now they're kind of requesting this benedict this is all about requesting the benediction up to verse 46 dear lord we have studied the vedas accepted a spiritual master and offered respects to brahmanas advanced devotees and aged personalities who are spiritually very advanced we have offered our respects to them and we have not been envious of any brother friends or anyone uh anyone else We have also undergone severe austerities within the water and have not taken food for a long time. All these spiritual assets of ours are simply offered for your satisfaction. We pray for this benediction only and nothing more. Wow, right? Oh, that's all I pray for and they make it even clear nothing else. Nothing else. Amazing. Dear Lord, even the great yogis and mystics who are very much advanced by virtue of austerities and knowledge and who have completely and who have completely situated themselves in pure existence uh as well as great personalities like manu lord brahma and lord shiva cannot fully understand your glories and potencies nonetheless they have offered their prayers according to their own capacities in the same way we although much lower than these personalities offer our prayers according to our own capacity actually i meant you to read 41 i'm sorry about that But anyway still um Prabhupada writes that thus it is not possible to estimate the complete potency and glories of the supreme lord nonetheless everyone in devotional service can offer essential prayers to the lord 
Everyone is situated in a re- relative position, and no one is perfect in glorifying the Lord. Beginning with Lord Brahma and Lord Shiva, down to ourselves, everyone is a servant of the Supreme Lord. We are all situated in relative positions according to our own karma. Yet every one of us can offer prayers with heart and soul as far as we can appreciate the Lord's glories. That is our perfection. Even when one is in the darkness region of existence, he is allowed to offer prayers to the Lord according to his own capacity. So I was, it reminded me very much of the uh, Nectar of Devotion, where in the four, 64 items of bhakti, um, it is said submission is one of the points, and that is when you make up your own prayers. Uh, in the Skanda, it probably writes in the Skanda Purana, there is a statement about submission unto the lotus of the Lord. It is said there that those who are sober devotees can offer their submission to Krishna in the following ways. Uh, following three ways, and one of them is uh, sampratta-namika, very feelingly offering prayers. So the, anyway, and then there's dainya bodhika, humble, humbly submitting oneself, and lala samayi, desiring some perfectional stage. But the point being that I'm trying to make is um, that we, it's bona fide to say our own prayers to the Lord. And the next item of bhakti is reciting notable prayers. And, uh, and that is so repeating the prayers of other great devotees. We have Arjuna's prayers in the Gita. We have so many prayers in the Bhagavatam. Um, and we have these beautiful, beautiful prayers by Narottama Das Thakur and his, his songs, um, and which some of them are uh, Lalo Samayi. Um, at Prabhupada's prayers on the Jaladuta and, and when he arrived in, in Boston Harbor and, so many um, prayers in the Chaitanya Charitamrita. So we can, the point is we can do both. Um, obviously, say, reciting the great, uh, what speak of Kunt, prayers of Queen Kunti, reciting the prayers of great devotees. Um, well, Bhakti Vinod Thakur's uh, Sharanagati. Um, these are wonderful. But also we can talk to Krishna and offer our prayers to him, in our personal prayers to him. So both are um, bona fide. Some thoughts on prayers? I had one thought about what uh, the Prachetas were talking about, the moment's association with love. Um, uh, I have been hearing uh, the uh, Yara lecture series of Ramapath Swami Maharaj, where he took the devotees to Dandaka Forest. Uh-huh. So basically the presence of La Rama in the Dandaka Forest. And uh, that was the full um, so in that there was one point being made about Maricha, a demon who can transform himself into a, a deer. Right. Uh, so he used to like transform like that and kill the sages and eat them and do all kinds of mischief. And he comes across Rama and uh, gets totally defeated. So now he understood that he is a very powerful personality and he is also fearful of Lord Rama from the point. So right. when Ravan comes to him with a proposal, he gives a clear advice to Ravan not to mess with Ram. So the question comes then why he did not surrender to Lord Ram. And a similar, uh, a similar predicament is seen in Sugriva, who is also fearful of Lord Ram, but he has the association of Hanuman. Ah. Because of that association, 
he was able to overcome his fear and surrender to the supreme lord whereas maricha did not have any devotee association and he's he's just got stuck in the position of fear and here the prachatas are talking about the association of lord shiva and we see similar association of narada muni and such uh, personalities all through the shrimad bhagavatam so i was just recollecting that point nice nice other thoughts another um if i think of all the devotees who are on this call right now they would all be very good association for us they're all all of you are sincere devotees uh wanting to hear and chant about krishna and then of course when we read prabhupad's books we're associating with prabhupad we're associating with the previous acharyas we're associating with narada muni and vyasa dev and the prachetas and uh, you know um all it's such a um key to always choose our association super super carefully um that well, that makes all the difference just like you're pointing out raghunandan prabhu that because sugriva had hanuman's association he saw the world he saw devotional service he saw who he was in a different light than others so they literally when you're with a sincere devotee uh whether they're a very very advanced devotee or even if they're not they're somewhat new to krishna consciousness but they're very sincere um it it's 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 an uplifting experience there's nothing quite as enlivening as being with people who are sincere in their devotion so let's see we have we well let's um 46 47 let's not push it um but let's discuss is this format i mean i don't know you know by next week uh we might say the virus in america is contained and there's no problem and right or or uh um whatever we don't know what next week will bring but is this format working for you or do you, is it okay not okay i'd like to hear from you all i like it very much Okay. Thank you, Henry. Others? Uh yeah, this is Andy. I think it's not uh too poor a second. Uh, my first choice would be in person, but it's actually not it's pretty good. So, uh we can do it if everybody wants to. If we have to. Yeah, we'll we'll be in touch uh by email over the week. But okay, thank you for that. Nandamuki or Sudanda or Ananta Ananda Rupa or Raghunandan. Yes Prabhu this is Anand Rupa I think Zoom is good uh, till we can meet in person and I have the class Okay Yes Prabhu it works perfectly for me Yeah it's actually not bad right I mean you get you so I mean I wish I could see you all I can see Henry uh but um <laughs> but uh yeah okay so Ganda is this working for you uh, Yes it's good Prabhu I am just driving to the temple so partly okay. I will be driving Cool and Nandi 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 Mukhi Yes, it works. Hare Krishna. Okay. All right, so we'll we'll finish up this chapter quickly next week and then we will oh wait, next week. Hold on. <laughs> I have to look at my schedule here. Well, yeah, uh, uh next week is um we'll have to see, okay? Um because I'm supposed to give um a seminar for 3 days at the Bhakti Yoga DC on uh peace building and uh so that is next week right 13th 14th and 15th is next week 
yes. So let's see, you know, if it's canceled because of the virus or this or that. So uh, look out for a uh, email by at the latest Thursday. Um, but I, but if, if, if I do, then we won't have the class. I have to teach at uh, Bhakti Yoga DC. I have to present that uh, seminar. Okay, but thank you very much. Hare Krishna, all glorious to Srila Prabhupada. Thank you.